Hey, good morning, Canoe Creek. I have got some great news for you that I've been looking forward to share here this week. Uh, with a lot of discussion, a lot of plan, I'm excited that uh, come May 31st, I won't have to speak to you through a camera. That instead of having to look in one spot, uh, whenever I get to present God's Word to you, I'll be able to look throughout the entire room. We're going to have services starting back here at Canoe Creek on May 31st. Uh, we thought it was going to have to be later in June. We've been working really hard, thinking about a lot of things, and we decided, hey, May 31st sounds like the right time. Some of the things that are going on around us, we've come up with a lot of plans. We're going to share those plans with you in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to have a letter that will go out. We'll have a video that will go out. Things will be a little bit different for those first few weeks. One of the biggest differences that you're going to notice right away, and we'll share all this with you, is that we're going to have three services. So we're going to have an 8.30 service a 10 o'clock service, and 11.30 service, which is going to be very new for a lot of us. And uh, it's also going to require that uh, we invite more people into serving the mission that this church has and sharing uh, Christ with our world here on Sunday mornings and in our community as well. So look forward to sharing more information with you about that. But that's the plan, and so uh, keep in touch, keep in tune. We'll share more as, as we get closer here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this morning, I want to continue in this series, uh, Faith Over Fear. You know, what we did, we looked at the first three uh, weeks, we looked at the early life of the church, and I want to do something a little bit unique. I want to go back to all the way to the beginning of the church. I know, uh, basically, you're thinking, well, did we do that, Ross? We talked about, you know, the day of Pentecost and other things that, that followed that. I'm talking, like, way back. I'm talking Abraham kind of back. I mean, after all, he is the beginning of God's people. God's promise was made to him first and foremost. And so in, in many ways, his kingdom, his church, his people, they begin there. And what's powerful is that uh, God made a promise to Abraham, which we're about to read. Uh, and Abraham faithfully trusted and followed that promise, but it wasn't perfect. Uh, there were some missteps along the way. And Abraham had to learn from his failures, and Abraham had to grow in his faith as well. And that's what is important. That's what I want us to take away from, that, uh, from this this morning. And so let, let's take a look at this. Let's look first and foremost just at a verse that really tells us about the promise that God makes to Abraham. This is the, res this is the reason why Abraham expresses his faith and begins to follow God in faith as a result of this promise. So let's read this together. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord had said to Abram, and by the way, you're going to see, this was his name, Abram. It gets changed to Abraham. God does this a lot, and we could talk about that another time, but just so that you have clarity, this is Abraham. The Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a powerful promise, and, it, and it's general in its nature, but specific in the call to Abraham. And as we think about that, I think that's the best way to frame this, is while this is very specific to Abraham, the call in its, in its long effects is, is very general to us. That is, everyone is called to understand who God is, to know Him. And through knowing Him, we find expressions of freedom in life that we could have never imagined that we would have before that. And so this is the more general call we want to look at 
the idea of placing our faith in knowing who God is, uh, trusting who He is, following Him, finding freedom in trusting Him and following Him as well. And, and we see this played out when we make decisions uh, to do things according to His will, what He would find pleasing versus what I would want to do or what pleases me. And, and as we see Abraham walking this out, what we're going to look at uh, this morning, some of those mistakes that he makes along the way and then see him come full circle, as we see him living that out, it does become a lot more relevant to us and where we are. Because here's the reality. Abraham experienced the same kind of stresses that we experience. He experienced the same kind of struggles and, and problems that we experience as well. And it wasn't as if he's just some sort of robot and everything that happens is simple and easy and he just makes decisions of faith. That's the whole point. That's why we're looking at some of those failures to see where he doesn't always make those decisions of faith, which is very important. So let's just start. Let's look at one of the mistakes that he makes. So he leaves his hand, he, follows, he leaves his land, he follows the promise that God has called him to. He finds himself in Canaan where God said, this land is going to be for you, I promise this to you, and so on and so forth. But then a severe famine happens. Look at what he does. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So here's what happens. The circumstances around uh, Abraham's life, they begin to dissolve. They begin to become problematic. And so as a result of that, um, he has to make a really tough decision. And and that's the thing about this. I was just actually talking with a friend about this, um, that when we're actually faced with real-time decisions in life, we wish they were a little bit more black and white. Uh, sometimes we wish finances didn't have a role in it whatsoever, right? It, sometimes it can make decisions a little bit more clear. But it's hard. It's, it's, not, it's not always easy. It, but, and here's the thing. It's logical to think God spoke to Abram in some sort of way, called him to this promised land. It's, it's logical to think that he could have spoke to him and told him to go down to Egypt, but that's not what we find. That's not what we see. It appears that this is a decision that Abram or Abraham is made all on his own rather than consulting with God rather than seeing the direction that God would have for him and here's what we kind of take away from that and that's simply this our circumstances will change but God's promises never will and, and I realize that when we're in the middle of a really difficult circumstance or situation that line between, well, where am I being faithful to God and where am I just supposed to take action and do what needs to be done? It's always hard. It's never easy. I'm not trying to say that it is, but I think that a practice of discernment, a practice of solitude and quiet time and focusing in on God and learning how to trust Him in the small things and follow Him faithfully in the small things leads us to a greater faith in in the really big things as well as we experience things like this. Because here's the reality. When our circumstances get shaken, our prayers typically turn to God to say, God, fix my circumstances, change the situation, meet my expectations. And, and sometimes God's wanting us to meet him where he is, uh, not where we want to be. And, and that's never an easy thing. We need to keep this in mind as we think about God's promises because they never change. But yet they're very general in nature. What do I mean by that? 
We sometimes want to subject our circumstances to God's promises and say, this is what you're supposed to do here. This is what you're supposed to do over there. But the reality of it is, is promises never say you're going to get to live in that house that you love forever, you know, or uh, you're always going to have the finances in the bank that you need to pay every bill, or you're not always going to be, you know, his promises doesn't say you're always going to be happy. Everything's always going to be good. You're never going to grieve. You're never going to experience loss or discomfort, or his promises doesn't say that your finances are going to go exactly as you plan, or your parenting is going to go exactly as you plan, you know, and, but what we typically do is we try to subject our circumstances to his promises and make them sound like we want them to sound and try and pray them into existence. And that's really not the case. Listen to one of God's promises. Very simple but very clear. It's in Matthew 6.33. And it says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, You know, this is a powerful promise. And, and as you'll see, his promises are always conditional. I mean, Abraham had to get up off the couch and leave his hometown. And he'd known his whole life. This one here tells us, seek him first. And the reality is, sometimes we are seeking our own kingdom. Sometimes we're seeking what it is that we want. And there's this conflict between what we need and what we want, this tension And God's trying to break that tension to bring us to a new place. And it's not always the easiest thing to do. His promises don't, you know, support our own personal empire building. Uh, They support his kingdom and his plan. You know, think of it this way. Uh, Not only do we sometimes make decisions, you know, based on what we want, but then sometimes fear can lead us to compound those problems. Let me say it this way. Fear can cause us to compound our foolish decisions. You know, like I said, it is logical that if God had spoken to Abraham to tell him, leave your hometown to begin with, then he could have spoken to him to say, go to Egypt. But we don't read that. We don't see that. So for him to make that decision on his own, it's like, you know, why wouldn't you wait on God? Why wouldn't you trust in God? Why wouldn't you put your faith in God? And now, right, he's into Egypt, and now he runs into another problem, another issue. You know, leaving the promised land seemed logical when you factor in the, the, the idea that there's a famine going on. Uh, but as a result of leaving that promised land, listen to what happens as they try to enter Egypt. Genesis 12, 11 through 13. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So think about this. Abraham leaves his home of his youth, according to his faith and the promise of God. And then he's redirected to Egypt based on his fear and concern. And now he's depending on deception rather than the power of God. Um, I don't know about you, but I know that I've been in a spot sometimes where I've made a foolish decision. And I start thinking, okay, well, how do I manage this foolish decision? How do I fix it? How, how do I handle it? And then I'll make another foolish decision, trying to fix it or make it better. And all I do is compound my foolish decisions to where next thing you know, I'm in a mess 
and I just have to simply back everything up and, and just deal with things in a much more truthful and honest and, and caring and compassionate way and, and own what I need to own. And that's exactly where Abraham finds himself. Now, this, the story is kind of long and sorted from there, and I'll just give you the, the, the cliff notes. Basically, Pharaoh takes Sarai to be his wife and his group of wives, which is a really whacked-out situation. But thankfully, God protects her. Everybody gets sick. They figure out that this isn't you know, his sister. It's actually his wife, and so they're restored in their relationship, and everything starts going okay from there. But it's a mess. It's a mess because... Abraham, out of a situation, circumstances, and fear, is moved to make decisions that aren't faithful to, to the plan and the promise that God had called him to. And there's a mess that results of this. So here's what happens. Some time passes. He, he learns from his failures to some degree. Uh, he's growing in his faith as well. God reestablishes his promise with him, and he makes a covenant with him. And I want you to hear this covenant because he gets more specific, and this is important. Genesis 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This will not be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he he credited it to him as righteousness. God reestablishes the promise. He makes a covenant and he makes it more specific. He doesn't have a child to pass this inheritance of promise onto. And so God says, you will have a child, and, and, and you can count on me for that. I promise that to you. But I will tell you, what happens next is insane. Um, if you know this story, you already know where I'm going. If this story is new to you, you're going to be like, you know, shaking your head. Like, what? How could he do that? But listen to what takes place. Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Look at how she's blaming God. She's in a really frustrated state right now, I can imagine. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Now, they get married, he has another wife, she gets pregnant, she has a kid named Ishmael. This is crazy, this is insane. This is the kind of stuff where sometimes I have conversations and people say, I don't get God, I don't understand God, why does he allow this kind of stuff to go on, why is this happening? Sometimes people have a hard time with the church because of stuff like this. But here's the main point, this isn't God's plan. This isn't what God wants. He doesn't want Sarai and Abram or Sarah and Abraham going around trying to figure this out and controlling these circumstances on their own. He wants them to trust them. He wants them to have faith in him. And yet when they don't, this is the kind of mess that ultimately is created. This is crazy. It's not God's plan. 
This is them trying to control their circumstances. And, and here's what I know to be true most often. Fear leads to control. Uh, faith leads to surrender. Uh, whenever it is, and I've noticed this in my own life, you know, we, can, we sometimes compartmentalize our lives. We have our life over here when, with work and then home and this social life or this hobby or that. And, and when one thing is not going the way that we want it to, or one thing's not working out because we can't control everything, which is a human tendency for some more than others, but for all of us, it's, it's a tendency. I'll hyper-focus into one area where I can control and just do everything that I can't control that because it seems to give me some sense of security. But the reality of it is, 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 is born out of fear. Fear leads to control, where I try to control my circumstances. I come up with foolish and dumb plans that are not godly plans. But faith leads to surrender, which is very difficult. It is very counterintuitive to us. And it's something that we have to work at. It's something that we have to work out in our life, as we see Abram doing here. I mean, we're looking at multiple years of his life being played out here, and we see him working out faith as well. So as we, as we read through this, we, we need to look at one of the most essential things. It's a turning point. It's one of the most important points, I think, in, in the life of Abraham. And, and it's where we can, I, I really want to rest our, our information, our big idea today. I think it's really applicable to maybe where you're at and what we're experiencing as well. So Abraham and Sarah have a child, just as God would promise. His name is Isaac, and he becomes the, the, the child of God's promise and God's people, the beginning of his church, essentially. Listen to what happens, though, as a result of this and how God tests Abraham and how Abraham responds. It's, it's amazing. It's wild. It's, it's out of this world. Listen to this. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Notice, his name has changed. All right, it's no longer Abram. It's Abraham. He's become a different person. God recognizes that. And we see that as well in the change of his name. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morai. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. This is barbaric. This is actually what many of the people in his culture and his time who believed in false gods would do. They did that. And it's insane. It's barbaric. And here's, I go ahead and let you off the, the hook in the cliffhanger for those of you who don't know. God stops Abraham from doing that. It's just a test. It's to see how his faith has grown in a profound and tremendous way. At this point, it would be about 40 years or so since he's left his home and he's been walking in faith with God, learning from his failures, growing in his trust. And here's the ironic twist, right? God would never, and he does, he never does ask this of anybody who places their faith in him and trusts him. But in an ironic twist, it's exactly what God does for us. He doesn't ask for such a sacrifice on our part in terms of giving our own son or child, but he himself gives his own son, his own child, to restore the relationship that he would like to have with us. Uh, Christ is perfect, and his sacrifice is perfect, 
And it gives us the opportunity to experience that perfection, not because of how great we are, but because of how great God is. And so as we think about that, as we look at that, and as we see that uh, he stops Abraham from going through with this, and he sees how profoundly the faith of Abraham has grown. Going from the failures that he went through and the struggles that he had to being somebody who would actually be prepared to go through with that because he believed that is what God wanted. It's, it's a radical turn. It's a radical twist. It's a radical growth. Here's what I want to say to you. I think this is the main point. Faith grows as a result of persistence, not perfection. I think it's easy for us to take somebody like Abraham and say, well, he's a father of a nation. He's perfect. And you know, in most cases, when you write in the perfection of a person like that, you don't include their mistakes. You don't include their failures. You put them on a pedestal. But his mistakes are there for us for a very perfect reason. Because faith grows as a result of persistence rather than perfection. Abraham was a guy just like anybody else. But he was persistent in trusting God. He was persistent in following God. And it led him to places that he never imagined he could be into a faith that was profound. Um, The gospel is the reason we are counted as righteous or acceptable or saved or we can have a restored relationship with God. Not our own perfection. Uh, Our perfection is, is an illusion. Our ability to try and control everything, to make it work out the way that we want it to, to be perfect in life, it's an illusion. Uh, And the gospel uh, motivates us. The sacrifice that we see of Jesus through the love of God, it motivates us to be persistent, uh, to realize that I can learn from this failure or this mistake that I've had. And I can continue to step forward in my faith in God. So here's the thing. Maybe you've never taken a step of faith or just watching services online is the first step for you. Awesome. Keep doing it. Come join us on May 31st in person. Or maybe keep watching us online if that's the only step that you feel like you can take. Because we're going to continue to have this available to you online even at that time. Maybe you've become complacent in your faith. Maybe you started to take a few steps forward, but then you ran a few against a few brick walls where you thought, well, that's just too much or that's just too difficult. And, and you started to say, ah, this, this is enough for me. Start taking those steps again because you have the opportunity to. It's not about your perfection. It's about your persistence. Maybe it's that you've been very faithful in your life, and yet you've fallen back away from God in some profound ways, and you think, like, I, I can't start up again. But you can. This is how God works. He doesn't require us to be perfect. He requires us to continue to trust Him, to take steps in His direction. The gospel makes this possible. And and so as you figure what step you need to take, I pray that you would take it, you would continue to persist in faith, whatever that next faith step needs to be for you. Take it. Be persistent. God will bless you in ways that you never could imagine. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for Your Word. 
the story of Abraham that is chronicled for us, we're thankful that none of the mistakes that he made were omitted, but they're there for us to see, that you work marvelous and amazing things through imperfect people, that even through our imperfections, we can continue to take steps forward, and then through persistence and following you and trusting you, that we can become people of faith that we never imagined we could be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.